The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on IFM. And uh, lots of life going on. Technology, in fact, technology is life as far as I'm concerned. A lot of people would probably argue with me, but no question, technology is inextricably linked to absolutely everything we do, everything we think of. The morning wake-up call is no longer that big alarm clock or desktop, well, that's technology, but even a ringing bell, it's your phone for the most part. So technology is just life, unfortunately, and it just never stops. There's so many, so many interesting things happening all the time. But today we're going to be talking about a couple of really big things that are going on in the in the world of technology. A lot of people have been talking about what's happening to Facebook, otherwise known as Meta. We'll discuss a little bit about what the new Metaverse is, what it means, where it's going, and what's involved in the whole thing. Though, truth be told, I don't even think a company like Facebook knows where the Metaverse is going, but they can have a, a seriously good stab at it. And it revisited something interesting for me. Many, many years ago, I used to play in a place called Second Life. Now, um, sounds a little bit like a rerun for Facebook and, and Second Life might just be First Life before you know what's going on. But we'll talk more about that in a little while. But right now, I just want to update everybody and especially some of the guys who love to have a go at Apple for their walled garden approach to everything, including repairs. Well, Apple announced this week that they will start selling U.S. and, and uh, just a quick disclaimer quickly. This is U.S. only for now, but will roll out globally in 2022 across most of the, 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 the countries in the world. Because once this cat's out the bag, it's very hard to put it back. They've announced something called the self-service repair program. And this will allow you to fix your display, your battery, and your camera for iPhone 12s and 13s for the moment uh, yourself. So what they will do, they will supply the spare parts, the official genuine spare part, because there is a huge aftermarket because with 5 billion devices in the market, there's definitely money to be made in spare parts for Apple devices. But genuinely approved Apple parts that will not invalidate your warranty that you can buy, along with the tools that you need in order to do these repairs. So if you crack your screen, you don't have to send it in. Pricing is not clear yet, but I do believe it's going to be significantly cheaper than taking it into a store, and for some cases significantly faster. So I think that's really, really good news. And they're also talking about their new Mac computers with M1 chips also being able to be repaired. So batteries, fans, possibly less screens, keyboards, things like that, that are are simply swap out and in. So if you've got a couple of technology-capable fingers and you know how to use a screwdriver and a little spudger, as it's called, that's the bit that you pop open the devices, you should be able to do it yourself. So... It makes sense. There's been a lot of laws globally that are coming out to say that this is really not good practice. So um, it's it's quite a big deal, and I think it's going to make quite a few changes around the, the world with regard to Apple spares and Apple repairs. So I think that's really great news, and I think that it definitely sets the the tone for how products are also designed, because if they can only be repaired in specialist 
facilities with specialist tools, then you'll never be able to home repair. But certain things like replacing your battery shouldn't be, uh, you know, something that you need to deal with in a, in a highly industrialized factory. You should be able to take a clean cloth, wipe it down, pop open your device, change the battery, and get on with your life in a quick, simple, and cost-effective manner. So I think it's been a long time coming. It just shows that Apple realized that there definitely needs to be a little bit more um, reasonableness in the way that they promote their products and sell their products to people. And there you go. So you can fix your own Apple device shortly, and it's it's really smart. I think this will spawn a whole new repair-yourself industry across the mobile world going forward. And in another little interesting, I wouldn't call it a wrinkle, but an interesting way of doing things. Microsoft have announced Windows 11 a while back, but what they seem to have done is announce it mostly for new computers. So obviously this was a little agreement that they had with their hardware manufacturers. Not that hardware during the pandemic suffered. Truth be told, the chip the chip um, shortage and everything around how people were were buying devices, laptops especially, and, and, and peripherals for their homes definitely changed the game. So they weren't really short of selling devices. But anyway, Windows must have done a deal with their manufacturers to promote Windows 11 on new devices rather than, than older devices. There are certain restrictions on Windows 11. You can't install it They're on certain devices. There are hardware reasons for that. There's software and security reasons for that. Whatever the case may be, Windows have now decided that Windows 11 rollout will be accelerated to everybody who's got a capable device. So if you get a notification on your Windows 10 um, computer that says you are now ready for Windows 11, it's available to download, I would highly, highly recommend you do so. I've been using Windows 11 through the whole beta program. I'm talking to you on Windows 11 right now. And generally, I've found it to be extremely Mac-like in its overall look, feel, and smoothness. There's some Windows oddities, but Windows is Windows. But for the most part, I must say that if you're offered the Windows 11 upgrade, all the devices I've upgraded, all the people who I know who have used the upgrade have had a pretty seamless experience. Essentially, the underpinnings of Windows 10 remain, for the most part, the same. So there's no huge technical changes in the Windows platform, but the look, the feel, the smoothness, the access to the various menus, the way that those menus work, and just generally the fit, the polish, and the look and feel of Windows has been hugely upgraded with Windows 11. So I think it's really a great idea to take the opportunity to upgrade to Windows 11 if you can. And if your machine is not capable, there's no real rush. Simply put, if you're running Windows 10, Windows Windows will continue to be upgraded and updated, and all the security and other fixes will still come through for Windows 10 because Windows 10 and Windows 11 at the base level is very, very similar. You just won't get some of the new slick look and feel, some of the new sort of interface uh, features, and some of the latest apps that are specifically designed for Windows 11, though they are far and few between. And it's not like with Mac OS where they've moved from one form of hardware platform to another and they're now running a, com- a, you know, a compatibility program to run your older apps. All apps that run on Windows 10 will run on Windows 11. And for the most part, every app that's built for Windows 11 will run on Windows 10. So 
don't stress if you can't upgrade and if you're happy with the performance of your PC. If you're not happy with your performance of PC, then obviously, much to the delight of all the hardware manufacturers, they'll happily sell you a brand new PC. But the latest update for those that have fairly new hardware, anything in the last two to three years that has the necessary security features, the, the, the security chips and all the rest that are required for Windows 11, it's in a no-brainer update. It's smooth, it's slick, it looks very cool, it has a nice, um, fresh, and I think quite intuitive interface. So give it a shot, upgrade your Windows 10 device to Windows 11, and I'd be very interested if you want to send me a couple of emails and some comments. I'm not into support, unfortunately, so I can't help if you have problems. Hopefully you've got a geek in the family or someone you know who can help. But generally, even in the business environment, I've found that Windows 11 does bring a couple of advantages and obviously keeps your, your, your PC up fresh and running with the latest of everything. But um, it's available pretty much now. There are ways you can do it directly. You can Google that somewhere. But um, if it doesn't pop up in your, your update feature, then leave it for now. But it will start coming up more and more, and you will see it starting to pop up across all your devices as you go forward. Battery life on my laptop seems to have improved slightly, so there's a lot of tweaks there. But overall, very smooth, slick, and very, very decent upgrade. So now, before we get, um, I'm going to be talking all about uh, Black Friday coming up, which is a big deal straight after the break in uh, Tech Talk Cafe. I tried to get a, a retailer in to help us, but uh, no one was available. I think they're too busy preparing. So we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe and the do's and don'ts and how to stay safe on Black Friday straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. And as I said, we are going to be just unpacking two big things and discussing two things during this segment of the show. The first and most topical is Black Friday. Now, there's been a lot of talk around Black Friday in the pandemic year, well, second year of the pandemic. Sorry to keep referring to it, but it certainly is a fundamental change. Woolworths, all the online stores, all the local stores, including uh, Macro and all these guys, have had a pretty exceptional growth in online over the last um, year, 18 months. And it makes perfect sense. Between the lockdowns and the, the sheer fear of going into a crowded store to pick up your goods and serve your goods, people have spent a lot of time online doing their various shopping and everything. And it certainly has made a huge difference to, to the companies. They've had to do a lot of work on their back-end platforms, a lot of work on their ability to fulfill the entire supply chain has had to be rejigged to take care of online because often that works best with centralized or decentralized maxi hubs rather than local stores. This has had an impact on the local stores, the footfalls, and the various malls have gone down. The recession that we're currently in with the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic across retail has caused a lot of, lot of regional and major shopping centers to to really scale back and a lot of stores have closed. So the whole pattern of shopping, the whole nature and style of how we buy our stuff um, has changed. And pre-2020, Black Friday or Black Friday period has become a huge shopping introduction into the holiday season. So starting towards the end of November, 
pretty much started in America, spread to the rest of the world, and certainly alive and well and kicking in South Africa. The whole concept of Black Friday and Technology Monday, or Cyber Monday as it's called, became a huge retail boom for most of us. And a lot of companies reserved a tremendous amount of goods for those particular days because the frenzy and the, the, the madness around how how much got sold just seemed to drive retail massively. For a while in South Africa, that Black Friday has actually been Black November. And even more so now, I will say that Black November in South Africa has become quite the thing in the retail space. The Black Friday specials have started. They really, you can see it everywhere. In-store, it started. I think the focus has moved very strongly online. A little bit of research that I've done around Black Friday and everything to do with Black Friday pricing and Black Friday offerings shows clearly that online is a significant driver of where Black Friday is going. And there are a lot of do's and don'ts and, and shoulds and, and should not. The biggest challenge and something that I think everybody should be hugely, hugely aware of is online scamming. Obviously, there's an insanity around Black Friday. Discounts become the norm. Everyone's offering 50% off, 30% off, get one, buy one free, buy two, get three free. I don't know. Madness. And almost, almost, for the most part, deals that are too good to be true. But because it's Black Friday, they may actually be true. So how do we navigate through all that craziness? How do we understand what's going on? Well, first and foremost, I think the most important thing is that if you are looking for something specific, something that you put off, uh, a new washing machine, a new TV, a new vacuum cleaner, some gadget, gizmo, home, whatever, couch, doesn't matter what it is, those things may well be discounted by the major retailers and the major players in this space, both online and in-store. So if you see those sort of deals Obviously, a little bit of healthy skepticism is always needed in anything that's a good deal because sometimes prices are marked up in order to be marked down. So, you know, the average price selling pre-black black month of November sales may actually be cheaper than uh, when with a 50% discount. So be very aware of that one. But let's say that all the retailers are being pretty straight and they are giving you good deals for this period because they want to drum up some sales and get the holiday season off to a good start. Stick to the major retailers. Stick to the players that you know, the take-a-lots, the, the guys that you've heard of, that you've dealt with online before, and have a really solid rating with regard to what they do and tend to be local, South African local. So there's a contact number. You know how to get hold of them. If there's a problem with returns or a problem with a product, it's easy to return and deal with whatever the consequences of these things are. So no deal, no discount survives bad service. Just remember that. So if a, if you have a problem with your new TV, washing machine, couch, and whatever it is that you buy, and you can't get service, it doesn't matter how much money you save, you, you hurt yourself badly. So that's the first and most important thing. The second thing is that you are going to see in your email, online, popping up on websites that you regularly go to, massive adverts and promotions for branded product that you know, the latest Sony TV, 50% off, click here, and then you will be sent, or the latest Gucci bag that you're desirous of will pop up 50% off, 
and human temptation is, that sounds too good to be true, but let's have a look. Then you'll click on the link and you'll see this amazingly sophisticated website that looks, feels, and presents itself as the real thing with all the necessary links and proofs and you name it. The level of sophistication for a lot of these spam or duplicate sites, if you want to call them that, are insane. And only finally when you get through the whole payment process do you realize that the shipping is from India, from China, from some small country somewhere, and they don't guarantee immediate shipping, and then the games begin. A lot of them do actually ship the product. There's no problem. The problem is that product may well be fake, which is a real problem because in the clothing and even in some of the electronics space, there are unbelievable like headphones and, and the more smaller electronics, you know, big things that are well known. You can't really fake an Apple iPhone, but that being said, there are fake Apple iPhones, but watches, jewelry, all this type of stuff, clothing, branded clothing, jackets, things like that, all have this massive fake industry that floats around the internet. And once you've paid and you've gone through the whole thing, you realize it's shipping from China, it's shipping from India, it's shipping from somewhere other than South Africa. And the shipping times can be pretty extensive. But now you've spent the money, it's coming off your credit card, and it's a little bit of a challenge. So my advice is no matter how big the discount, be very skeptical if that company is offering something at 50% off or more um, and is not a local company. Rather go and check them, check out that brand store from the official um, website rather than the link. So you go to, let's say you're buying Sony, go and check Sony. Let's say you're buying Gucci, go and check the Gucci website and see what's going on there. Also use reviews online to see if that particular site or that particular product is real. So be extremely, extremely careful of massive discounts online because 90% of them will be too good to be true. I'm not saying there aren't deals, but the frenzy around the whole Black Friday and Black November thing can create a massive problem. The other problem from a cybersecurity point of view, you don't know who you're giving your details to. It could be an utter scam site. So unless you are utterly confident of the website, there's a credential that you know, do not enter your payment details, your credit card details, or any payment information online. It could be all part of a very comprehensive spoofing um, exercise, and the next thing you know, your your bank accounts or your, your credit cards will be compromised. So don't let the insanity around Black Friday, the insanity of saving money, the pent-up demand of that, that brand-new, shiny, whatever it is that you're going to buy, override good sense online. In-store is a whole different game. That's often, as I say, just check to make sure that the marked-up price and the marked-down price isn't more than the standard price that existed before the madness of the holiday period. But that is standard sort of commercial stuff. But online, the dangers remain exceptionally high. Be extremely careful if you're parting with big money on big-named products. Um, and even smaller, and even if it's not consequential, because one, big products may not be real. They may You may save a ton of money and get a fake or not get products at all. But the small stuff, you think, what the heck, if it's no good and it's only going to cost me 150 rand and it really sounded like a great little set of headphones to give to my myself or one of the kids or someone, um, 
even that small amount of money may be a challenge. So I would say be very careful before you enter any of your details and register for their website and give them your delivery address and give them all your information and your credit card numbers. Think about all that information, how it can be used um, in, 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 in bad ways once you've given it to a website and you've signed up and, and authorized them to debit your card. So be extremely cautious of the good, too good to be true deals. Be very cautious and do your homework. Check across a number of websites. Check Hello Peter. Check a number of comparison sites. Just simply type in that website and space review or that website space complaints and see what pops up in Google. You'll be astonished at the amount of information that's out there because you are not the only one. If it's a global product that's been sold across the Internet, trust me, there are hundreds of people around the world that have tried at some point or another. So stay safe. Um, keep your eagle eye out for that great deal because there will be some. The retailers are really ramping up, trying to get their systems right, trying their best to salvage a tough year in retail, um, using the whole Black Friday hype and energy. Those of you then putting off the big purchase that you really didn't want to, to you know, waiting for Black Friday or better deals, this is the time. There's some great deals out there from the major retailers, some great deals out there in the technology space from the major players, LG, Samsung, you name it. And it's well worth keeping an eye out and getting them. But be very aware of all the other issues that might be going on in the background before you commit or enter all your information regarding that purchase that you just felt was so cool and you really needed to get. Now, moving on to another interesting topic that I've been asked a lot about lately and something that I really feel needs a little bit of, I don't know, explanation is perhaps the best word. Because for the most part, most of us just use the platforms that are on offer. Um, they just, you know, you go to Facebook, you go to Twitter, you go to wherever you go. More and more people are going to TikTok and all sorts of other platforms to share and to socialize. And we hear more and more about the dangers of social media. And we hear more and more about the privacy issues around social media and there's no question that there's been a huge backlash against the sheer scale and power that the big social media platforms and the big e-platforms such as Google, even Microsoft, Microsoft being a product and services company, that seems to have slowed down quite a lot. You very rarely hear about issues around the Microsoft space. But within the Google um, and Facebook space, there seems to be a never-ending stream of confusing and crazy stuff going on. Simple fact is both of those platforms use data and data of their users in order to make money. That's the indisputable fact that without users, they would not make money. And no social media platform can monetize unless they've got millions, if not hundreds, and in some cases, Google, Facebook, billions of users across the, the world using their platform services. Most of those services are free, but again, we have to accept one thing. There is no such thing as a free lunch. That has been a mantra forever. Every single thing that you consume has a cost. It doesn't matter where that cost lies. It doesn't matter how that cost is hidden. It doesn't matter where, what the value or utility of that service is. So, I mean, Google Maps is a perfect example of that. The utility of Google Maps is beyond Anything I could ever imagine. Simply put, you can get lost pretty much nowhere in the world anymore 
in any language, in any territory, as long as you have access to Google Maps and connectivity for the most part. You can even download a whole Google Map to your phone, device, whatever it is, and stay, stay not lost even without a cell phone signal or any form of connectivity for a good chunk of time and for most part permanently. So just that service is beyond measure useful. However, who pays for that? The simple answer is you pay for that through your attention, through the time that you spent on Google, the information that you supply every time you connect to the Google servers and use one of their services. So Google know absolutely everything that you do. Your phone doesn't have to be on Google Maps for your phone to track your physical travels. So when you travel around the world, when you travel around your city, when you travel around your country, Google knows where you've been, knows how fast you've gone, how long you've stayed, how many times you've stopped, the amount of information, the shops you've visited, the amount of information that is being collected just from a simple app such as Google Maps, is absolutely obscene. And the same thing goes for Facebook. Facebook is collecting information on you, your friends, your likes, your dislikes, and absolutely everything that you do online across a whole host of things. There's many anecdotal stories that you were talking about buying a new pair of squash shoes. And before you know it, on your Facebook feed, there's a whole lot of, of adverts and information around squash, squash shoes, sport, anything to do with squash, sports shoes, sports wearing, sports clothes, you name it. It's nuts. But that is how they monetize. Advertisers pay for that information in order to send inf- stuff to you. Google is no different. Facebook is no different. TikTok is no different. None of them could make a living without getting paid for the services. They run on servers across the globe that cost huge money. So, simply put, Facebook believe that they want to take this to the next level. And they have created something which they call the metaverse. Now, anyone who's read any science fiction over the last 20 years understands what the metaverse is. And I can see quickly, wow, time's flying for this segment. But essentially, what Facebook have done is they've renamed their holding company, Meta. Now, that doesn't mean that... Facebook has changed in any way, shape, or form, and Facebook, the platform you download and use on your phone, will remain the same. So if you hear about Meta, they call it a social technology company, and it is where, like Alphabet is to Google, Alphabet is the holding company and owns Google and the products, Meta is the holding company and owns all the products that Facebook have, Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp, all those products are owned now by a company called Meta. And what Meta is trying to do and where it's trying to go is into a space where you have a much more immersive um, experience around or the next generation of the Internet, if you want to put it that way, which includes augmented reality. In other words, being able to see and, 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 and feel stuff that is not there or virtual reality, like Second Life or when using an Oculus to Immerse yourself in a new universe. So you'll hear more and more about it. It doesn't really change anything. And I'll discuss a little bit about it because I can see we have to take a quick break for our sponsors. But I'll be back straight after this. I'll give a little bit more attention to what the metaverse means, where we're going, and what's going to happen. It doesn't really affect you now. 
And then my gadget of the week. We've got to talk about that. So we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And before we get into my wrap-up of the Metaverse, oh, it sounds so science fiction, and it is actually. Now, quick wrap-up before we get into the Gadget of the Week. And the Gadget of the Week is actually quite a cool gadget. It's the new Apple Watch 7. i to admit I had to try one, and I've been using it for a couple of days, well, a week or so, and very, very impressed. But we'll be back with a quick update and report on that in a few minutes. Just to give a quick sense of where the the metaverse is, what it's going, and where Facebook are taking it. Now, Facebook are the first, not the first company to get involved in this, but they are the biggest. No question, with billions of users around the world, they're gathering the data, and they are perhaps future-proofing the business with regard to where they believe the Internet and technology is moving in the next couple of years. And with the growth of ubiquitous connectivity, with the growth of growth of 5G and very high-speed mobile and connectivity across the world, the growth of fiber to the home and really high-speed capacity to your business, to your office, to your wherever you go. Sorry, unfortunately, my ever-connected world is busy. <laughs> is busy interrupting the show as well. Um, so wherever you go, there is going to be a form of connectivity, and that form is taking high bandwidth video and all sorts of other things into account. And the metaverse, where where um, Facebook are going is on two levels. One, they believe that this is going to become a pervasive way that businesses, people, and people and people connect, inter, inter, integrate their daily stuff, and do everything that they need to do on a level that currently exists in almost a one-way communication. So you open your phone, you tap and do certain things, and if you've watched a whole host of science fictions, the whole voice-driven, visual-driven world is is certainly out there. And that is what they're putting their bets on. They're going to put money there. They're going to do a lot of research there, both on the, the ethical side and the regulatory side, as well as on the cool tech side. So expect to hear more and more about the metaverse. And it's a combination of current technology, future technology using voice, using vision, using video, using immersive and semi-immersive technologies like augmented reality, glasses or heads-up displays in your car or all sorts of visual cues that will be presented to you via all sorts of things, all the way to holograms that will pop up for advertising and for marketing and for training and for all sorts of things. That's the one element of it. The other will be completely immersive environments where you can escape to the Alps, go skiing, do all sorts of things in a virtual reality space for whatever reason. Take a break in the sun, <laughs> there's no sun, whatever. Using full virtual reality immersive technologies that are audio, visual, and in many ways almost 3D, where you can use gloves, all sorts of things to interact with that particular universe. So that is coming, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. They they made one really very important point. This is not going to happen due to any one company. I think Facebook want to try to control it to some extent or be involved right at the forefront of it because it makes sense. But expect a lot of stuff in that space around from Google, from Microsoft, from all the major players in this space, including Facebook, and expect it to slowly but surely creep up on you just as technology did. 
And before you know it, it'll just become part of how we operate, what we do, where we go, and the toys that we play with. Now, moving on from that, let's talk about the toys that we play with. And some really cool toys have come out recently. And one of the, I wouldn't say lesser toys, but certainly a toy that has seen amazing success over the last couple of years and has become, without question, the largest smartwatch product on the on the market globally, and that is the Apple Watch. For, for the most part, it has very few serious competitors other than certain devices from Samsung and a couple of other players. But essentially, the Apple Watch, which has not fundamentally changed in shape, look, and feel since its launch seven years ago, wow, eight years ago um, when it first launched, it's quite a big deal. Well, Watch Series 7 has just come out. It's just launched in South Africa. And it offers only three major changes over Watch Series 6. And that is the screen is now a lot bigger. Well, a lot, but 20 to 30% bigger. Um, and the way they've done that is to extend the screen right around edge to edge on the frame. So you've got a screen that almost reaches to the edge of the curve of the screen, which is quite interesting. I thought I'd be more disturbed by the fact that things distort when they display on the edge, but they've been very clever with their new watch faces and the way they work it. But the net effect is that the amount of screen that you see, so perfect example is the keyboard. The actual keyboard on the screen was almost pretty much unusable. Now, for the most part, even with my big fingers on the big on the big watch, it is usable. You can actually type on the on the on the, the screen of the of the phone of the watch, and it, it it really works very well. The other major improvement has been um, the the speed at which it charges. The one issue I've always had with Apple watches is that their battery life was not great. When I say not great, you've got it easily a day, day and a half out of it, but most parts at night you take the watch off, you pop it on its stand, you charge it overnight, and it's ready to rock and roll the next morning. The thing is you couldn't track your sleep, and sleep tracking using a Fitbit device has always been part of my program of fitness and health, sleep becoming a huge new thing. Well, what they've done now, is the battery life overall has not improved by much. It's about the same, a day and a half. But what they've added is much, much faster charging with a reminder, typical Apple. So if you sleep with a watch and it tracks your sleep, which is pretty cool, and the sleep tracking software has improved tremendously in the latest iterations of the Watch OS, you pop it on your stand when you go brush your teeth, and within 20 minutes, the watch is almost fully charged and ready to go for the next day. So really big improvement in speed of charging. Also a big improvement with regard to the speed of operation. And the latest version of watchOS has certainly bring, brought a lot of benefits over and above features that if you're a, an Apple Watch lover, you'll love. If not, you might need it. The only drawback really with Apple Watch is it only works with Apple ecosystem with nothing else. So you have to have an Apple Watch and an Apple phone in order to enjoy the benefits of Apple Watch. But the latest Series 7 is a, is a no-brainer upgrade from anything beyond below the 6. 6 to the 7 is only the screen and maybe the battery life but um, or, and the speed of charging. But from a 4, if you've got a 3, 4, or 5, it's a no-brainer upgrade. It is much faster. 
physically very similar. Screen is exceptionally bright and clear. Improve that as well. The speed and the way that it operates is just a pleasure in normal Apple Watch fashion. So upgrading from an Apple Watch 6, optional. But anything below that, it makes a huge difference, and it's a well well worth the difference. And the pricing and the trade-ins with uh, the various people make it almost a no-brainer. You can do you can do without spending too much money. You can get a massive upgrade on your Apple Watch, moving to an Apple Watch Series Seven. So we'll be back with our last little bit of the show straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on one hundred one point nine High FM. Well, welcome back. And before we just finish off with Apple Watch, just want to <clears throat> give a little, a little update on, you know, on the facts and the figures. You can pick the aluminium Apple Watch up from about 8,500 Rand. The trade-in of a really good quality watch can save you between four and 5,000 Rand. So really makes sense to, to upgrade what you have. And if you're stepping in new, the new green, blue and red, as well as obviously the black and silver are available. I really like the green. That's the one I got. It's it's very, very pretty. It's a dark green. Works very well with a whole host of straps. Oh, and the other thing is all the straps from the previous generation work. There are some cool new straps, as they always are, but the older straps work perfectly. You can even pick up the stainless steel versions in gold and silver and black for around about 14,500 Rand, which is quite expensive. The only drawback from the stainless steel is they're quite heavy. Difficult to, I find, the stainless steel, which I had prior, is hard to, to sport with. Also a little heavy to sleep with, but certainly does look the part. And they come in versions that have got SIMs in. Works really well. Nice to be able to go for a run, make a phone call, receive a phone call on your watch without um, worrying about the, the fact having your phone with you. And I must say that the new versions have a bigger speaker, it appears. They're a lot clearer for phone calls. I've had no problem communicating directly with the watch. And you can download phone, uh, uh, apps which stream to your Bluetooth headphones. So having a SIM in a watch does actually work really well and doesn't kill the battery life by much, I must admit. So great upgrade. Still, I believe, one of the most full-function watches if you're in the Apple ecosystem and looks good, works extremely well, and really is a lot useful. I find myself taking my phone out of my pocket a lot less when I'm wearing the watch than when I do. So still leading the market as far as I'm concerned. Now, on that note, the last little uh, bit of sort of tech information that I want to, to share is that uh, my mention of power and power systems has brought a lot of interest. A lot of people have contacted me and wanted to know what's going on <coughs> Excuse me, around what they should do with all the load shedding and everything that's happening in the market right now. Well, there's not a whole hell of a lot other than having a really good little backup platform. And the number of UPSs that are proliferating out there have grown enormously. Obviously, it makes sense. But for around about a 1,000 Rand, it would well be well worth your, your investment to simply keep your your router and your, your Wi-Fi network running up and running over the load shedding period using a small UPS. And um, as I said, stick to some of the best brands out there. Uh, APC, or American Power Corporation, are one of the better ones. They're more expensive by about 50%. But there are a couple of really good makes. Uh, I mentioned that one because those are the ones I prefer and use. 
the battery life seems to be a little bit better, the operation seems a little bit slicker, but essentially they are very, very similar devices from a lot of different manufacturers. But understand one thing, most of them use lead-acid batteries, um, which are slightly cheaper, and they have a life of between one and three years max. So you do need to keep that in mind because what will happen is slowly but surely over the by the second or third year, instead of an hour's worth of backup, you're going to land up having 30 minutes. And then often it makes sense to have it serviced, get the battery changed, which will cost about a third of the cost of the, the device overall, if not less, and back to full running thereafter. There are expensive devices using uh, lithium-ion batteries, but they tend to be quite expensive, but their battery life can keep you going for up to 10 years. So on that note of keeping you going, I have to end the show till the same place, same time next week. This is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk on High FM.